Kia ora and welcome to the Movie Bros Podcast. We are your hosts, Rick and King and Epsilon. How are you doing this week? I'm doing great this week. That's great to hear. Uh, I hope... Yeah, I hope that your week has been going great as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Same as you. Mm-hmm. Now, this week we'll be discussing your blog, uh, camps, Gran Turismo, the next video game adaptation from Sony and PlayStation, along with the latest episodes of Warrior and our new entry, My Adventures with Superman, which I cannot help but smile when I think about it. But we'll also be talking <laughs> about that later. We'll also be talking about the box office and another announcement that is coming up for the Movie Bros podcast. So strap in as we get behind the wheel with Neil Blomkamp's return with Gran Turismo. You've raced it, what, like a thousand times? Now you just gotta do it in real life. Gran Turismo, based on a true story. Ypsilon, what are your thoughts on this film? Well, I I felt very... uh, I had very controversial thoughts about it, in my opinion. Where Mm. it was very clashing, where it's a good film. Yes. Of uh, it, it had some. The pacing was very weird, as well as certain other parts. Yeah, we'll get to the um, the pacing and editing um, soon because that's one of the complaints I have for this film. Um, but it's based on a true story. I look back on it, and yeah, it's everything that the film depicted. And yes, the film dramatized it a little bit, but it's pretty pretty on the money. Um, but. What would you th- uh, do? You think this is a good live-action adaptation of a PlayStation? Uh, because we had Uncharted, which came up lukewarm. Then we had The Last of Us, which is about to win Emmys, but the Emmys has been cancelled this year. What are your thoughts? Do you think it's in the middle with Uncharted, kind of a meh, or do you think it's yes? Really good? I would. I would put it just above Uncharted, in my opinion. <clears throat> yeah, um, I think the video game curse has been broken for quite a while now since Sonic. In 2020? Yes, since Sonic, I would say, yeah. Yeah, and I think PlayStation has had a good amount. Um, we talked about it last week, was Twisted Middle, and I watched the finale um, last night, and it's really good. But, um, yeah, I think PlayStation's got a good handle on live action because they can um, actually translate their, their stuff in, into live action. They got God of War coming out soon. Ghost of Tsushima's getting a movie from Chad Stahelski, director of John Wick. So, yeah, I think it's in the mid category as well. Um, mm. We've but, seen how far uh, current video games can take us, especially with the likes of uh, Mario, Super, Super Mario, as well as uh, I would say Sonic. And just to uh, compare those films to closer to real life, I would have to say yes, it's quite mid tier. Yeah, but I wouldn't say it's it's a bad film. It's just no, no, no. In yeah. no way is it, is it bad in any way. I think it's just just yeah. a comparison. It's just rough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I had a big gripe about. I think it was at the very beginning of the film. I thought the beginning of the film, spoilers, was an ad for Gran Turismo Seven, which you can buy right now on PlayStation Five. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a big advertisement. Did you think about that? Like, yes, I also had a very like. Very rough thought with it, especially because of the fact that it felt like it was just advertising for the game. Yeah, I mean, were, to be yeah. fair though, it is it is what it is due to the fact that it is advertising a game that it is. Yeah. Know. But um, 
Yeah, I do think it's a big advertisement. That's the only downside I have when it comes to the film overall. But it's a great, great story. Actually, quite impactful. Uh, it's one of the better uh, biopics that we've gotten in a, in a while. But well, uh, yeah. I would have to unfortunately, I have to unfortunately, Oppenheimer just completely overtakes that with the biopic. I forgot Oppenheimer was now. That's a proper biopic. Dramatized but proper. Um, okay, now we'll get to the good parts of the movie. Cinematography. Epsilon, what are your thoughts on that? I would have to say the graphics, with, especially with the whole uh, CGI scenes with the cars, mm. very superb. The camera angles for the cars, especially when we're in the driver's seat, hits just the right amount to make us feel like we're in the vehicle at the time. It makes us, I would have to say, very uh, in in the moment, so to say. And I would have to say, if film gets converted to VR someday, which I hopefully does, yeah, it would be one of those films that hits just about right. Yeah, I think the cinematography and yeah, the visuals were, were great. Uh, implementing visuals from, even though yes, it's CG and it looks like it's straight from the video game, which I think that's what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think it had the element of realism on on the track, and then it turned into Fast and Furious when it came to engine parts moving and yeah, everything. Yeah, which cool, awesome, and it kind of worked for the movie. And visually, it was it was great, and yes. great blend of um, CG and real world especially with the cars because nowadays everything would be blue screen or green screen don't know how this was filmed but yeah um i didn't add it here but compared to other racing car movies like rush and 4v ferrari do you think this movie would be as remembered as them i would unfortunately have to say no i feel as though ford versus ferrari is the film that is mostly going to be remembered due to the brands of those uh, those movies that I had shown, was the just the uh, visuals that came out with that film. Yeah, Ford uh, Ferrari. Yeah, um, one of the best films uh, personally I've seen. That's my favorite film, twenty nineteen, uh, because it pushed uh, racing and also a story properly and these both they kind of correlate because of how they both end and they're both based on a true story with um ken miles and jan and they both end at le mans (laughs) which i thought was convenient but um epsilon i think you talked about it yesterday how in ford v ferrari there were multiple cars that were Mm. up for ford while in Gran Turismo, they're taking the normal approach. I think it's based in 2011, 2013, the uh, the year that Le Mans, that Jan um, drove in. Yeah, yes, yes. Only I... one consecutive car the entire way. Um, yeah. Um, the film doesn't hide the nitty gritty uh, damages that the car takes, and it's more realistic for that. And I really appreciate the way they did it. Yeah, um, spoilers for the audience at home, um, there's a certain car crash sequence that actually felt very close, like, realistic, and I think it was an event, I didn't fully look up into it, it was an event that actually happened to him, and it was quite, not only, uh, harrowing, but it felt 
it could happen in the real world it could happen in the next racing um racing motorsports that could happen in a couple of weeks maybe it's it's quite scary that crash um but i i gotta talk about this um epsilon the score in this film was great what are your thoughts about it the score in this film i would have to say depends on uh which soundtrack that was played i would have to say the piece of music that was played during the races yeah mm. and during the actual scenes of the film were very good over some parts of the music was very uh in the aspect not the best i would say for the situation at hand however is what was really happening and that's the reality of life yeah um i didn't mind the needle drop sequences that was fine but um i was saying after the film that lawn belf was on a roll he just had dungeons and dragons he had mission impossible he also had top gun uh, he's on a big role he's also handsome as protege and i think his score i listened to it before um there was actually a track that came out before the whole soundtrack came out and that was the lead single um i'll get to that because that's in my negatives it never showed up in the movie and um, by the final race sequence when he's about to come spoilers again third i was i was whispering with the music i know this is where the music would have dropped for um lawn bell's motif light motif especially in that sequence and it never hit and guess where it hit the credits i hated it it was so that was so annoying because if you hear the soundtrack um and uh, the soundtrack's called and here we go there's a chance and it sounds like it's from Lamont and it goes to the motif at uh, the theme of the of the movie's soundtrack and that was never in the actual movie um but that that's just my regret. I'll get back to it for the negatives but um we'll bring it back to the visuals epsilon um I, I just want to talk about one sequence when he's thinking of a flashback and it goes from the car and then it breaks into multiple pieces back to that flashback that was a cool way of showing that right yes it was very good i would have to agree with especially like uh i, I would have to say all car scenes in that aspect where every single time he's driving no matter if he's in the video game or if he's in the driver's seat it just showed his his love for racing especially the parts where you could visually see the car being built as again the visuals were amazing during the scenes where he's in his home in the beginning of the film as well as now near the end of the film near the final races yeah he's imagining the car and all of his parts he's driving yeah um visuals uh again we talked about it earlier were were great um for for a racing car film um it was both stylistic choice of having it looked like the video game because the video game itself kind of like forza motorsport is very much realistic in its simulation um based um style and it worked for the film on the big screen it didn't take us out of the film but the visuals were great um i want to also talk about the amazing sound design in this in this movie i know we talked about like 
Transformers Rise of the Beast getting sound design as well, but Oppenheim is obviously going to win this award. Um, what do you <laughs> think of sound design in this film? It was very good. I would have to say the sound design. Just every single aspect, especially with the cars driving as well as the sound of the whole uh, engines riving as well as each during the pit stop scenes you could just hear the right amount of like sound and mixtures to it yeah the, the soundtrack I would have to say yeah mm. during most of the scenes I would say certain scenes were too quiet I would have to say it yes. was very difficult to experience when I would I would have liked to see more of the whole like drive in between anything but yes yes it was very rough yeah, um, sound design is a big thing about these racing films because, again, it's about the motor, it's about um, the engine and every single spark and tire squeal, everything on the road, that always matters to these films and I think it captured it really well. The racing aspects of this film are really good, um, mm. but I feel like there could have been a a little bit more when it comes to um, as as Epsilon said when it comes to the soundtrack in certain places but it's too quiet mm. yeah and we'll get to when it comes to the negatives those parts can be quite boring um, mm. because A there's there's no dialogue and B there's mm. no engaging soundtrack that accompanies it but overall sound design is great um, also, the acting from David Harbour, Orlando Bloom. What are your opinions on them? They're basically the leads. Yes, yes, yes. I would have to say fantastic acting from both of these characters, yes. There are times where um, I would have to say one of the other, yeah. They don't mm -hmm. really, I would have to say they had a really nice synchronized uh, lead position in my opinion yeah um, it did you would think oh David Harper's the villain well mm. villain because he's trying to be a tough ass on them which makes sense because they play video games and Orlando Bloom somehow halfway through turns into somewhat of a villain but they're not truly there's no true antagonist in this film and I think that's a downside of this um but they, David Harbour and Orlando Bloom work so well together. They have great chemistry. And, you know what, honestly, I would like to see a buddy cop movie with these two. I think they're really good. Uh, but the acting in this, especially David Harbour, they give him so much um, nuance in this film. It's, it's beautiful. It's a great message. Now, on to the bad. Epsilon, you said at the, at the very beginning, pacing. What are your thoughts on that? It was very rough, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, the pacing, I would have to say, lacked a lot of uh, minute stuff that I would have liked to not see, I guess. Mm. Uh, specifically, how do I say this? <clears throat> the races seemed very inconsequential at times. Mm. And as they skipped through each different race loss and wins, it kept feeling very, I was very doubtful about the whole experience. It was very lacking, I would have to say, that aspect. 
yeah, there are moments, and especially in the races, where it pauses. I get it. They're trying to catch us up. Oh, he's in twenty fourth place. Oh, he's in eighth place. Yeah, there was kind no like yeah. pacing for that. It just felt sudden about like which is the final race, you know? Yeah. So, no, like development of character. It just felt like it just kept going to experience that. Yeah, especially yeah. when we were watching it goes and then pause and it comes yeah. out of nowhere. You expect it, like, cool you can um, see where Yarn is on, on the actual racetrack. That's cool and all, but actually mm. pausing it, like, in the film, is kind of jarring. It's very polarizing, um, especially mm. in an editing standpoint where you could just mm. say, this could have been smoother the way they could have showed it. But the way they went mm. with it was, it's going to be jarring to audiences who watch it, um, especially with mm. us. And the pacing, I think in the middle, it's always in the second act where the pacing starts dwindling a little bit. It starts yes. getting slower. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when it kind of felt a little bit boring. Um, I get it, there's exposition in, in Tokyo. Cool, awesome, young, guest experience all of this, but... Again, it could have went more into the history of um, Nissan mm. and the cars and um, mm. them building the final um, car that they use at Maman. I kind of want to see the behind the scenes of the car. Like, I get it, it's his movie, but I just want to see it some of the like there was some. Yeah, it felt like there was some lacking components to that. Yeah. <laughs> and when we came out of the movie, um, Epson did say that the, um, some of the characters from the GT Academy were kind of there, right? Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, they were, and then some of them come back at the very end, and if it didn't feel rewarded. What are your thoughts on these unnecessary characters that were just there, then come back and be important? I was very confused about that in that aspect where. They was there was no like mention of certain scenes, you know, certain actions of some characters where, you know, they, they he was meant to be the winner of you know the big the big race, you know, mm. and then there's nothing else to it. It's like very lacking, in my opinion. <clears throat> yeah, um, it didn't feel right. Yes, um, yeah, two characters came back obviously Jan's antagonist and maybe Jan's best mm. friend in the DT Academy both come in in the last um, last half of the movie to help him mm. um, <coughs> yes it felt cool but there was no build up uh, well I'm glad yeah. there was no build up to it it was just they're there and they race um, not saying where they've been. Uh, I think no, no. The movie. Well, I mean, I felt yeah. as though that would have been important, though, in my case, where they just decided to push these characters to get, gave us no like you know talk about them and what they've been up to. I think I just remembered um, Orlando Bloom's character did say that they have been racing outside of GT yeah, Academy, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think. There could have been more. I don't know. Maybe the movie's already this two and a half hours long. <laughs> hmm. I'm saying stuff that could have pushed it to three hours, but it does. It's already too long. Um, hmm. But yeah, I don't think these characters had a true purpose. 
That's just mm, me. Just to be, just be like extra additives, in my opinion. Yeah. That's where I think they were mostly set for. Um, I did talk about Longbow's score being underutilized, especially in one yes. certain track. <clears throat> um, so I won't get back into that. And I did mention it, but Epsilon, to you, was it boring in some places? Yes, there were some lacking scenes where I wish there were more. But however, did not add as much as I wished it would. <coughs> yeah, um, the movie had a lot of heart. I, I think Epsilon and I can agree that we kind of had a tearjerker mm. moment. Um, Especially during the father scene. The father yeah. Scene scene. That, that, that was, was very, very important. Emotionally driven. Yeah, <coughs> but other than that... Um, it's it's an okay film it's mm. an okay playstation live action film uh, and all media really because they go to television but mm. if some what would be your final rating i would have to give it around a 6.5 just mm. because i know that it could be it could have been better there could have been more I think yeah it hasn't reached its true finesse point and true we won't reach that now, but maybe later in life. Yeah, with different kinds of films. Yeah, there could there could be a Forza film, um, <clears throat> not like this, but could definitely be something like Ford v Ferrari mm. or Forza. Mm. But um, honestly, I'll give it a, a seven. It's better than the Flash. The Flash got a six point five. Yes. Um, but still, <laughs> it's 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 good. It's okay. It's a return for Neil Blomkamp. Um, I do think he was held hostage for this film instead of making uh, District 10. <laughs> I think we're all forcing them to make District 10 at this point. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think it's okay. Uh, would you recommend it? I would I would say it's a fine film to watch. Uh, mm. I wouldn't say it's a must watch. But yeah. If you have time to watch film. Yeah, I'm along with you. I feel like this could do well on streaming. Yeah. Um, but if you want to go watch it in cinemas, take the boys. I think they'll they'll understand it. It's it's quite um, it's uh, relatable. That's what it is. Um, uh, but either way, yeah, I would recommend it to watch it on streaming when it mm. comes out. Well, Neil Blomkamp's Grand Turismo, based on true story, is now out in cinemas everywhere, including premium formats such as IMAX, so go check it out. Now, as we gear up for the final two episodes of Warrior that release in the coming weeks, this week's episode of Warrior was it. This was the episode that will change the course of the show. <laughs> Warrior Season 3, Episode 8, You Know When You're Losing a Fight. Epsilon, you hyped me up and it was worth it. You know what? Worth yeah. it. Holy shit, what an episode. Epsilon, what are your thoughts? I have to say, it was very dark, gritty, but it's what we expect from that kind of, uh, I would say, show. It gave us everything we wanted and I'm glad that we were able to experience it. <laughs> yeah, it did give everything that we wanted and it's 
I feel like this was built up for the last year, for the last two mm. seasons as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do think um, with a lot of shows, there's always a marriage of the century. And I think this is it with mm. Leong and Mai Ling and having the tongs there, which is um, crazy that the main character is Assam. He's kind of sidetracked in this episode, which is completely fine. Um, it gives time for other characters like Leong and Big Bill yeah to evolve and we'll get to that um i was saying it could be a red wedding it wasn't a hundred percent but it was close enough because uh we got some we got some spicy kills epsilon mm. Mm. the outers <laughs> <laughs> i was very very surprised at how this specific thing was treated yes <laughs> the eldest death oh yeah well, very, very, yeah and yeah Myling were doing the gyak gyak <laughs> what a montage yeah what a, what a scene yeah the yeah. music roaring um and then mm. compact the only one of the so-called elders that could fight back mm. nearly died and speaking of compact rest in peace man his character's thing i would have to say which is very unfortunate but yeah, Mark Damascus is, uh, in general, his acting is very good. Oh, it is very amazing. It's very emotionally driven. Yeah, he was Leon's best friend. Then Leon had to kill his best friend. Because Mai Ling wanted to go behind his back again. And take charge of the... Um, yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on Leon's change of heart? Especially with this conversation with Chow at the very end of the episode where Chow doesn't even know what Leon's gonna do. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I would have to say it's... It's very rough for him, especially because of the fact that the person he trusted the most with his life, with his world, is just utterly just dipped it upside down he has lost all of his support due to the fact that he had some like he not himself but his wife had some good and he's in a dark place right now i would have to say all my homies hate my ling my my ling somehow needs to die she still survives she's like a cockroach she is like a cockroach doing a a nuke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's gonna bring all of Chinatown down with her. Yes. And I think Assam has the same mentality. Uh, of course, they're brother and sister. I, I feel that Assam will t- treat it differently. Oh, Assam has, still has his, his humanity somewhat set into him. So. Yeah. Um. Apart from Mai Ling and Leong, um, Father Jun, um, I don't think he's gonna make it in episode nine. I don't know. He could make it to next season, but ooh, it's not looking great. What are your thoughts on that? I think he's gonna pass at some point within either this film or maybe the next. Yeah, there was a beautiful scene. Um, after uh, was it after or during the wedding um the after party where young jun and hong go back to um the hopway tong 
and Young Jun and Father Jun have a beautiful conversation and it's talking about Young Jun's mother and Father Jun remembering everything um, and it was beautiful then we cut to the very end of the episode where Father Jun has Young Jun by knife um, on his neck and that was harrowing and scary do you think sadly Young Jun's gonna take his father's life I don't know oh that's hard to say yeah it's yeah. in the end yeah mm. one thing or the other like next might happen he might either have to kill his father yeah because of defense or father Jude will just pass due to illnesses yeah Either way, Young Jun and Assam is not going to go well. And I think it's been mean to that the entire season. And it's not going to go down well. It's going to be ugly. I don't know how they would make up. And, you know, one thing or the other might happen. Yeah. Um, also, another, um, it was a subplot. Um, Larry and. Strickland, I keep forgetting his first name. Uh, they had a partnership because Larry's now a politician and Strickland needs a quote unquote gangster. But Larry also exposes Strickland of being um, using him and also being racist um, <laughs> towards him. Uh, he finally sees what the Chinamen are now, what, what the ducks are saying. Chinamen, yeah, are feeling. Uh, what are your thoughts on? that do you think Larry's gonna go to Assam and take down America I don't know this could be a big finale I think the big part is the corrupt government is might be taken down mm. and I really would like to see how they do it yeah I think Buckley's gonna have a massive role to play in that mm. um and he's probably gonna backstab both Myling and Larry because he's got connections with both of them through the um, working men, uh, through the Irish, and now the Chinese with Myling. Yeah, it's not looking well. This could only go one way, and that's a big uh, final battle between the Americans and quote-unquote immigrants in America with Irish and Chinese that could be really cool to see um, but my boy Big Bill he gets his get back against Atwood yeah. Woo, man that was oh <laughs> you you love the you love the um, recovery of his character yeah go for yeah. Big Bill the racers against Atwood the racers <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, Big Bill fighting against Atwood has been mean to that. And his wife even understands. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he deserves to get punched up. What are your thoughts on Big Bill fighting against Atwood? I just want to, uh, to preface the fact that uh, I'm looking forward to uh, more of it, yeah? Mm. I, I miss Big Bill's character uh, themes more so than anything. We haven't gotten much of his character within the season as much as I would like to. And, you know, 
as we get going, we get more, I guess. Yeah. Um, Big Bill, Bill O'Hara. Um, mm. I, f- I feel like he either will be brought up by uh, Buckley to come back to um, um, being the police officer, or maybe Zing returns and tries to kill Bill again. Uh, that could happen. Uh, I don't know. Anything could happen, but he's out of the mining works and... Back into uh, finance now. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hoping. And he's going to do his way. He he tried to get these boys out of prison the normal way, paying their fines and everything, but mm-hmm. Edward being bloody racist, uh, tried to keep the Irishman in jail. Um, yeah, of course, Bill wants to uphold the law in a um, neutral manner instead of racial struggle and everything but um the storm has come we talked about this uh last week's episode was the calm before the storm the storm's here and but it's not gonna be gone for the next two episodes and what are your final predictions for episode 9 and 10 I would like to see what happens. I think there's going to be a fight. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a huge fight. I feel as though, you know, there's going to be assassination attempts, you know. It's going to be the backdrop scene in 9 and maybe an end final, like, official, like, thing where we see how the, the corrupt governor uses the fact that the Chinamen no longer can get jobs, you know, and whatnot. It's just so chaos within uh, where we are right now. Yeah, I do think Assam and Yan Mi, I, it's it's leaning more to her not dying and her getting on that train and going away forever. But um, there were teasers of Lee maybe knowing that she's the printer. And I don't know. I, I still feel like she could die hmm. in Assam's arms, but I don't know. This, this season has been... Not as big for Assam. Um, yes, it's it, it pushed him. It pushed him a lot back. I would have to say. Yeah, but character development for his his character is still mm. there. It's still yeah. prominent, and yeah, it's yeah. still as important as it has been since episode uh, season one. Um, but yeah, he's been kind of put in the back burner a little bit this season, which I don't mind. Um, because we'll probably get to see a lot more of his story grow um, with the next seasons to come, hopefully. Please go watch the show so it gets <laughs> renewed for a couple more seasons after the strikes, obviously. Um, but yeah, I do think there's a massive battle that's going to happen where Larry and Assam probably have to team up. If it's mm. just them two, that's completely fine. Um, polar opposite of last season where they were fighting each other for the rights of certain sections of San Francisco. Mm. But yes, Warrior, one of the best shows on television. And At the moment, yes. Incredible. There's going to be an emotional and action-packed couple of weeks of Warrior as we're gearing up to the final and finale on the 28th of August. It's going to be mayhem. Streaming exclusively on Neon every Monday at 12pm New Zealand Standard Time. Now, as we talked about this last week, 
with the so-so finale of Marvel Studios Secret Invasion, Epsilon announced that the show we'll be covering would be My Adventures of Superman, which is streaming only on Adult Swim. Now, there are 7 episodes to cover, so this is going to be an extensive coverage of our thoughts and feelings of this interpretation of Superman played by the boys in Star Trek Lower Decks, Jack Quaid. My Adventures with Superman, Epsilon. Mm. A new take, a new uh, new take, but it's old at the same time for this iconic character. What are your thoughts on that? It's so good. Uh, I would have to say... Hmm. The, this brings back the original uh, ideas of what Superman could be. I would say it, it expresses characters to not have that uh, trope of for some reason not knowing the difference between you know hidden identities and uh, the actual character of Superman because of the fact that he doesn't really hide it well and it doesn't pu uh, push around the bushes to push where Superman could be and what has been done yeah um, honestly the S finally stands for hope um, and the way Jack Quaid plays this character, very timid, very calm, and very emotional, uh, Clark Kent, uh, compared to, uh, well, we did get a very emotional Clark Kent and Superman with Henry Cavill, but quite barely because he, he died in Batman vs. Superman, and we barely got to know more of that Superman in general, but what Jack Quaid brings to the Superman and going back to the origins of hey let him save a cat or you know there's a bridge about to collapse let him save people instead of leveling these buildings and this destruction everywhere which people are now akin to with the Snyder movies and this is just a hopeful Superman that we've been looking for um honestly I uh, while watching these episodes he's kind of gotten the um, invincible treatment with him yeah, not knowing his yeah. powers fully and getting his ass beat a lot but again he's like invincible and goku the more you kick their ass the stronger they become um it made a, a honestly to me personally it made me fall in love with superman all over again a character that i didn't really care about for a long time mm. did it make you fall in love with superman or what this character in general yeah, okay. it did. I would have to say, this character um, really does it well. However, there are some stuff I would have quotes about, especially with the fact that he seems a lot weaker than what normal Superman would be like. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, he's just getting into his powers now. Hmm. But it seems like it's. He discovered them as a kid, which, yeah, that's classic Superman. But he's now, well, I would say 23, 24 now. Mm. And now using his powers for good, which mm. I'm, I'm happy with that he's now growing and discovering that. But um, something like Smallville that came out in the early 2000s 
which I love, um, discovered his powers when he was 14, 15 during high school. So mm. it kind of would have been cool to see a younger Superman and getting his powers and knowing what he could do with them at a younger age. But you know what? I really like what they're doing with the Superman. Um, Epsilon, Lois Lane is so good. I mean, well written. She's a <laughs> she well is, she is rounded, the I mean, uh, written character. Love, yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on her as of episode 7? I have to say, this is, it's very interesting. It's gearing up to a very interesting remark, I would have to say. Especially with the whole, uh, spoiler alert people, uh, mix, Mr. Pixel, uh, sorry, saying that name is... Yeah. Whoa. Uh, final remark. I would have to say though, it's quite confusing how, why she would believe and trust this person after they kept lying to the cast. So that was one one quite about that. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever run away from an evil Superman. I think he's just always there. But no, I but think the, yeah. I thought that she trust like she would ever like consider even like hiding this is just weird to me. Yeah, yeah. Um uh, speaking of episode seven, we got the multiverse <laughs> and something else as well. Yeah, immediately as well. Um multiple losses. We got um, teasers at different um, clocks, like the original comics from 1938, mm. um, all the way to even Justice League 2000 and Justice League Unlimited um, animation look from 2003. Mm. That was really cool to see. And the multiple Lois's as well. And mm. also a Lois, um, yeah, Lois Lane, a uh, male Lois. Mm. But, um, yeah, she's a well-written character. We talked about this last week with her, uh, with the internet going up in arms. Uh, we'll get to episode 5, but her being an Amber 2.0 yes. to Clark, that's not true at all. And she recovered in episode 6, I would have to say. Yeah. <sighs> you know what? Episode 5, when it got to the credits and there was no Jimmy Olsen walking um and then it gets to the final picture and it's all ripped apart that that hurt <laughs> even though i watched it all at the same time i was just so invested in these characters and just episode five was that turning point kind of the catalyst um to the full three act structure that this whole uh, do you know how many episodes this would be uh i don't think i have a straight idea right now i think that hopefully keeps going for multiple seasons yeah definitely uh i i would assume it's 10 i miss when tv shows used to do 24 35 yeah yeah that would be just it just kept going and it would be so good yeah old school cartoons but um yeah yeah. Again, I couldn't stop smiling. It was so endearing. Uh, every time Lois and Clark interact, I was like, "This is so real. <laughs> this could be this a real how, relationship." Yeah, this, how real it really is, you know. I was getting giddy for Clark and Lois, <laughs> and then I, I had to scream, "Jimmy!" <laughs> every time yes. Jimmy intervenes, because I love Jimmy um, Olsen in this, even though yeah. he is the third wheel, kind of the comic relief. But 
man, he ruins these, these moments on here. Like, I mean, damn. at least they give us the fact that they go on the date officially. Or they, they planned and, you know, it had the scenes come to it in full circle. Yeah. No, I, I'm loving these depictions of these characters. Mm. Um, how much love that the brothers have given them. Because we do have Superman and Lois, which is a CW show, and one of the best-looking shows on television today as well, and currently mm. on on hiatus. But that is Superman and Lois, and this is very much the same. Um, obviously, the title is My Adventures with Superman, so it's in Lois's perspective. But man, it's really good. Um, great. What are your thoughts on the animation and the set pieces? Ooh. It's it feels like old school anime uh, met you know modern media, and it just goes really well. Yeah, it's giving me um, like transformations, especially in I think episode two gave me mm. Sailor Moon vibes. Oh yeah, yeah, no, there was that one uh, scene with that thing happening. Yeah, when he was transforming into suit for the first time, mm. and yeah. I do like the bold textured lines that you get from old school cartoons and uh, that represents uh, that this show represents and it's great to see something like this this could have easily aired in the 2000s as we were kids and we would wake up and eat breakfast to it probably um but yes it's it's so good and it's very relatable so um i feel like the animation also sets it apart from everything else that's come out via Superman um, but there was definitely a renaissance of Superman in different mediums we got Jack Quaid here we got um, we got Hulklin uh, who is in Superman and Lois Taylor Hulklin and we got Aaron Cavill who prior to um, David Cornsworth um, was Superman um, do you think they could cut this is multiversal brain and we could do what no way home could do <laughs> what the flash should have been basically yes yes i feel that i should have i think this might be able to do it you know bring bring classic superman as they just did in episode 7 they showed the different animation styles yeah um and yeah I feel like it's a great renaissance of Superman within animation and then within live action, television and all movies. Um, but the final thing I wanted to talk about was um, Task Force X um, prior to being called the Suicide Squad. We got a Deathstroke that before he got his eye removed. Yeah, yeah. We, we had a Deathstroke that just didn't, was younger, I would say. Was more cocky, you know. Yeah. Showed a more cocky variant of him. Yeah. Yeah, we got Amanda Waller, who looks like every single animation. And um, the general. Yeah, and the general. Yeah, and we'll get more backstory into them. But overall, Task Force X, uh, we could see possibly the origins of Deathstroke. Um, because so far it's just a mechanical being and he's Slade Wilson, assassin for hire. We also got um, a tease of Lex Luthor, um, I think in episode 4? Um, I, I would have to say that it's kind of hard to call him Lex. 
Yeah, he's called Alex or Alexander, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Screw it. I'll call him Lex Luthor. <laughs> it's just, just minus the bald head, but everyone's so young in the show, that's why. Um, it's going to be developed throughout seasons. We'll probably see why Lex, uh, or Alex, goes bald. Maybe it ties into something cancer-wise, or because that's what older comics would do for Lex Luthor. Um, but either way... Do you recommend this show to everyone? I would. This is one of those shows I would say is one of the best to watch. You know, just when you have free time. Really good animation. You know, really good story. At times, a little bit. You know, cringy with the fact that yeah, uh, Jimmy becomes the third wheel very rarely uh, at times. It's still a great piece to watch. Yeah. We all fell in love with Jimmy, and yes, even though he is the third wheel, he'll forever be in our heart as you know, Jimmy Olsen, the photographer at the Daily Bugle. But um, yeah, um, this show is something special and would recommend it to anyone, really. Well written characters, not forced. Um, I was never the biggest Superman fan, and I thought Snyder's take of the character in 2013 would change my mind. But this and Superman and Lois surely changed my feelings on this character. My adventures was Superman every Friday on Adult Swim. Now onto the box office for this week. And there are minute changes, but Barbie is still on the roll. Um so Barbie at number one with a weekend of fifty-three million and in New Zealand currently gross six point two six two million and total box office of joining the billion dollar club of one billion and seventy six dollars in three weeks. What are your thoughts on that? I knew it's gonna hit a billion. It, mm. it was very evidential, especially because of the IP being as big as, as it already is. Yeah, if it didn't, I would have been surprised if it didn't hit a billion dollars. I would say, love the fact that it had everything in of itself. I guess. Become part of the billion dollar club. Yeah. Um, actually, if if you would say a Barbie movie would make a billion dollars last year, I would laugh in your face because mm. I would I would completely forget that it's a doll and that has been there for generations, really. Um, yes. But seeing Barbie getting this much amount of ten- attention and money is amazing and it's well deserved for someone who hasn't seen the movie um but i'll I'll get to watching the movie don't 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 worry don't worry i already got grilled by two of these guys okay right um but yes so barbie billion dollar club uh will surely reach 1.1 billion by next week's box office uh but in three weeks that is incredible now a new entry into the box office make to um the trench opening weekend of 30 million new zealand opening weekend of 340,000 uh total so far 160.612 million in a week epsilon what are your thoughts uh i was very surprised that it hit those numbers mm-hmm. i wouldn't know at the moment where we'll end up but i feel as though 300 400 mil 
Yeah, um, it's opened at 58 or 53 million in China, mm. so it's gonna do well there. They love their big giant uh, kaiju esque um, movies, there, uh, true blockbusters. Uh, the first movie was, I think, made for China, um, mm. but it was done worldwide, and mm. it's obviously it's not gonna do well here looking at how much barbie's already made here in new zealand barbie's mm. probably number one at our box office but 30 million not bad um last minute marketing and um, from them because it was i haven't seen an ad for it on tv um yet but yeah in one week anyway speaking of number three uh Oppenheimer. Uh, it's weekend of 29.1 million in New Zealand is currently grossed 2.7 million worldwide mm. 577.8 million Ooh. in three weeks open eye could finish at 900 million maybe yes it's coming it's coming back it, it's, it's able to reach it I, I trust I fully believe in its numbers to be able to hit just where it needs to uh, for biopic this could easily do Bohemian Rhapsody-esque numbers and I mm. think Bohemian Rhapsody hit a billion uh, I don't fully remember does it deserve a billion? Nope um, but Oppenheimer incredible um, these numbers don't lie and it's gonna do very well maybe one of the most profitable films this year and maybe the whole gimmick of 70mm in certain locations kind of pushed this movie to make as much money as it has incredible and it's still an IMAX to this day um, and number four a movie that has yet to um, come out in New Zealand Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem with opening weekend of 28 million and total so far 70.93 million as it hasn't opened in all territories um, for American box office Epsilon what are your thoughts on this not bad right yeah yeah I would say this is one of those films that are pretty good uh, I unfortunately because the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles isn't out in New Zealand yet. Yeah. Yes. It's tough, tough to gauge where we will sit, <clears throat> but hopefully we will have yeah this heading you know, four hundred mil. You know, because of the fact that it might not I have not released in other countries yet, as well yet. Mm. Yeah, we'll just have to see. Yeah, I think it's going to be like Elemental, where it goes under the radar really and then it will slowly hit that 400 500 million mark and um, from what i've seen online the reception is this may be better than spider-verse or it's on par with spider-verse and it's a big um discussion online of what is the better animated film that's going to win the oscar and honestly i'm glad that animation has progressed this far and seeing how boring pixar is um, and Disney when it comes to trying to make everything look so realistic and look so um, unfortunately yeah. I would say uh, Disney hasn't hit its much this, this year this year round I would say it's the worst year for Disney Disney's been losing so much money this year it's not funny if you take away Marvel um, yeah. because we haven't had any Star Wars movies for a couple of years since 2019 yeah they're losing money mm. um, but yeah Team and Team Mayhem is definitely one of my most anticipated films because of its art style and not only is that 
they're voiced by actual teenagers um, who are 12, between the ages of 12 and 18, probably. Don't know the actual mm. ages, but that's great already. And Seth Rogen on a roll because he's also in Invincible Season 2. Mm. And he's also got Gen V from The Boys, and he's producing as well. Seth Rogen on a roll. Um, yeah, he, he's done a lot of voice acting. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Donkey Kong. I thought yeah. I about that. Yeah. And at number five at the box office, Haunted Mansion. Uh, it, it, it went from 24 million opening weekend down to 9.2 million. This is um, rough, I would have to say. It's a rough one. It hasn't opened up in New Zealand until the end of the month and total so far worldwide for certain uh, regions is 66.8 million in two weeks. Yeah, Disney, you're not having a good one. Epson, what are your thoughts on this? I guess this one, I would have to say it's very difficult, it's a tough one because where where does this go is essentially my thought like i don't think it's gonna hit a hundred like 200 mil yeah really, like, it's not even gonna get close but i think it's gonna hit higher there. this is gonna be the jungle cruise effect where they're trying to take a amusement park ride that they have and make it a movie and wanting it to be the next part of the caribbean which nothing could ever be because those not only were they based on a movie park, but they were actual movies. <laughs> they weren't a gimmick um, compared to Jungle Cruise and well, we haven't seen Haunted Mansion, but I would think it, um, that also, and also, plus the strikes, they didn't have any marketing behind it. Um, yeah, I I think it will come just under three hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, Damn, it's rough to say as well, you know. It's not something that, that I am happy about, but unfortunately, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So far, we're just looking at rough estimates of what we think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we'll make a million here in New Zealand. No, um, no. it could. Um, maybe maybe eight hundred thousand at most. Yeah, maybe turn break could change it, but again. Um, yeah, so this this weekend's box office was quite, eh, that's what I was saying, it's quite minute. Apart from Barbie hitting a billion, which is, yeah, awesome, but, mm. um, somewhat of a slow episode of the box office, even with two big releases coming out. It seems that Gran Turismo is delayed by a couple of weeks in the States. But next week is the release of DC's Blue Beetle, making his big screen debut. But both Blue Beetle and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem have been delayed till September 14th here in New Zealand. So it's still a long way to go till we see those films come out to us here. Now, we have an announcement to make. Along with the Movie Bros Podcast and the Anime Bros Podcast, our network is forever expanding as we move on to make a third podcast season amply entitled the Game of Bros podcast yes which is the which is what the title shows that we'll be talking about video games as we gear up for the video game awards hosted by Jeff Keighley in December who knows we could be streaming 
us playing GTA or Diablo. That's how much we are expanding. I cannot <laughs> wait for us, for you guys, to see what we've been cooking. Now, next week, instead of the Movie Bros podcast, you'll get your first episode of the Game of Bros podcast instead. Deep diving into the worlds that spawn from video games and news. While the majority of the show will be based on video games and gaming in general, we'll be discussing episode 9 of Warrior and episode 8 of My Adventures with Superman, streaming exclusively on Neon and Adult Swim. No box office next week, it will return the week after. Now Epsilon, any closing thoughts? Um, well I have to say, this week was a very doozy, a very big doozy. You see, it hit all the right numbers in certain films and uh, surprising, you know, comebacks with others. Well, also, certain shows having very big expectations currently to them. The Cop Cop Warrior, yep. And we'll be hopefully seeing what we can with these kinds of films that are Um, exactly. That, especially when we're gearing up to September, where we're going to have a big film bonanza with a bunch of films coming out at the end of August into September. Um, yeah, can't wait for everyone to see that, especially with the Game of Rose coming out next week. Um, anyway, we have the Movie Bros Podcast, a podcast that has been on hiatus for four plus years now, since Captain Marvel's box office numbers, streaming on Spotify and Amazon Music. The episodes every Wednesday at 12pm New Zealand Standard Time, along with the Anime Bros Podcast, episodes every Monday at 8pm New Zealand Standard Time. We are your hosts, Requiem King and Epsilon, and wishing you all a happy Duang, and see you all next time. Bye.